The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. When right intention is defined, right or described, there are three intentions. There are three intentions which are identified as being the right intentions for the path. And I think what this means is that the word right refers to right like the right tool for a job. It's appropriate. There's an appropriate. And the intention here is more like the attitude which supports walking the path of practice. Because the overall intention in walking the Buddhist path is to become free, free of suffering, to become awake, free of clinging. And so what is it that supports? What intentions, what attitudes supports that walking that path, or finding that? And so there are three things that support it. And so this, you know, it's hard to become free, but in order to, walk, in order to move in that direction, it really helps to have these attitudes. So one is, as we talked about this morning, is renunciation. The other is, uh, you know, the literal, literal word is um, uh, non-ill will, but it, it really implies the positive, which means loving kindness or goodwill. And then the third is the non-harming, which, um, or non-hostility, which is uh, said to be the same as compassion, to be compassionate. And so there's something about <clears throat> renunciation that approaching your life, whatever's going on, with some attitude or intention or renunciation, approaching it with an attitude of kindness or friendliness or loving kindness, and approaching your life with, with compassion, walking through your life with compassion, that independent of its value in and of itself to do those things, are valuable for walking the path towards freedom and in clinging. And so the exercise I gave you now about compassion um, was meant to uh, uh, maybe challenge you a little bit about the nature of compassion. What is it? Because if your experience of being compassionate is one of that where compassion is entangled or mixed up with uh, being distressed, being upset, being disturbed, uh, having worry, having sorrow, grieving, um, then uh, if, if you think that's what compassion involves, then it'd be hard to see how compassion can serve you as, you know, there's a way to become free of suffering. But if you can start getting a sense that compassion itself, in its simplicity, doesn't have any of those kind of disturbing feelings or attitudes, there's something very clean about it, something very sweet about it. I, I like the word sweet. I don't know if you like it, but there's probably other adjectives or something. And um, that uh, uh, there's something about that state of compassion that is unagitating, that's settling, and uh, that does something really good for the heart and the mind, that is, supports the mind being peaceful, supports the mind being at ease, supports, supports it to be settled and, um, and you know, kind of, kind of in a settled, nice way. I remember how surprised I was the first time 
where I was helping someone in a relatively simple task, but it was an ongoing task for, I don't know, a couple of hours. And as I was helping her, how good I felt. And I said, wow. And so I did it some more, wow. And it was this wonderful feedback loop where I felt this kind of very sweet, wonderful feeling. I said, I'm helping her. Look what's happening to me. <laughs> and um, so that was an introduction to the idea that um, renunciation, loving kindness, and compassion are useful attitudes, approaches to how to walk through our life that supports the mind becoming free. And it makes some sense because um, the opposite of those, as the tradition talks about, involve a lot of agitation. It usually involve a lot of clinging. It's hard to imagine lust without some agitation, some clinging, some being caught. It's hard to imagine ill will without the mind being agitated. It's hard to imagine um, having a hostile attitude and wanting to harm someone uh, and be peaceful at the same time. I think part of the reason why these things are wrong intention is they're diametrically opposed to um, the movement we're trying to move towards is becoming more peaceful or more settled or more letting go. So um, perhaps it might be interesting to hear from two or three people what it was like to do that little reflection on compassion. Philip over there. Well, I really like the way you started it off with going to that peaceful place to begin there. And then I included the person who um, I see his suffering. I, I understand it because I have that too, what he's suffering from. And um, the word sweet was very helpful, that I had this sweet compassion for him. And then, just before you said what was added, I was kind of staying with the image. And then, in my image, I was, I was behind him, put, and I put my arms around him, and it was like I was trying to press the compassion <laughs> that I felt into him to make him different. Oppressive and, compassion. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then you said what, what was added, and it was that... Um, after I sat, I realized it was aggression <laughs> that was added. <laughs> so it was very helpful to me to feel and experience the difference between the pure compassion and then what we add on um, to make it happen. Mm, great. Thank you. I don't know why I'm talking so much today, but um, the clear as a bell that what screws compassion up for me is when I think I gotta fix it, and then that, that just messes it up. Mm. Um, and then, secondly, but not as clearly or as strongly as that, it was when I when I expect something in return. 
uh, and that came up this morning in our conversation about uh, that somebody that I feel obligated to stay in touch with who's gotten very old is a very negative person and I get it w it's just a should you know in a general way I feel sorry for this person's problems and trouble with aging and so forth but I, I don't do there's nothing warm or sweet in my heart <laughs> I do that out of obligation in fact I've just stopped doing it mm. and that doesn't feel so good either mm. but, so but, wait, 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 it's not maybe not maybe, I apologize if it's the wrong time but I feel moved to say I wonder if you feed yourself from any obligation to see the person do anything do you think you could maybe then on your in your privacy of your own life um, find a way to feel a, a clean compassion for this person? A kind of caring that's... If you know, you never have to see the person again. Well, I, I, and I was thinking about that this morning. I have let myself off the hook for calling. And then this morning it occurred to me maybe just to write a note saying, uh, I've been thinking about you, and let's let it go at that. Uh -huh. Great. Thank you. Jim, right? So my reaction uh, in thinking about the other person's problem was to start feeling pain of my own. And I think uh, that was inhibiting me. Uh, and maybe in general, it inhibits me from uh, actually zeroing in on somebody else's needs. So feeling your own pain about something else or the same thing or? The same thing. It was just, I, I wasn't aware of any connection with anything else. It was just to see that person in my mind to be in pain. It was painful it was for painful you. painful for me. I see. So then so you got caught, caught up in your own distress or pain in feeling that, sensing that, the empathy perhaps, and then you got focused on that and got lost in that. Yeah, that's very easy to happen. Sometimes when people try to help others, they're really trying to get rid of the pain they feel themselves. <clears throat> so, um, for the person who was having a pretty major um, concern, it was hard to be sweet uh, because I think I maybe have had, maybe I had the shadow of the future coming, and the add-on then when you said, what do you add to it, was like worry and doubt and fear that this person couldn't manage <laughs> what was there, and that was, it, it was quite helpful and really difficult to see that. Difficult to admit it, you mean? Yes. Oh, but there's a step forward. <laughs> Thank you. So, what do you think of this idea that compassion is an important support for the practice of liberation? that compassion is important support for becoming free of suffering. What do you think of this? Is this a meaningful idea, a 
challenge idea, an abhorrent idea? How could it be? Because, yes. Well, I find it kind of challenging. I find it kind of challenging. I can see where it um, could be helpful because it creates a, a, there's a neutrality that, um, where there's less resistance. Uh-huh. And if there's less resistance, I'm able to see myself better or I'm able to see what's going on with them better. I'm not adding on things that shouldn't be added. But what's challenging is I feel that there's sometimes a, a time to act. And then... I wonder, so uh, how can I have the wisdom to know what action mm. would be the right one so that the compassion would be acted on in a way that doesn't add something onto it? Great. That's a wonderful question. I like that. And what I, what I move to respond is that one of, the, one, of the, one of the added things that I add is my sense of responsibility. And so uh, if I act with that sense of responsibility, it seems like natural to do, right? I'm responsible. It's up to me. Um, and then it's already kind of uh, mud- the water's muddied, and so how it, so how to discover the, the, the an interesting thing for me is to discover how to act without feeling responsible, how to respond without being responsible. Compassion is such a, an important part of the liberation process, and it's so natural a part that it's born in us. You know, it com- it's born in us. Yes. I mean, you look at little kids, they show kind of an immature compassion even at three. And at five, you know, it's just fantastic unless it gets spoiled out of them somehow. Um, it just seems like a natural state of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think loving kindness automatically moves to compassion. It's almost doesn't quite go the other way. Nice. So maybe one more, please, David. Well, I thought about how this happens, how compassion frees us. And um this Korean teacher, Song Sun, I forget his name. Song Sun, yeah. He said, um, when it's about me, there is suffering. When it's about others, there is no suffering. So to me, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when it's about others, my attention, my heart is focused on them, and I'm in the present moment. And in the present moment, there isn't suffering, and I'm not dwelling on myself. Um, I think there's more to it than that. I think there's something about the movement of the heart that is deeply freeing, but just in a common, sensible way, just the way the attention moves. Great. I think it's freeing. Thank you. And um, so the question is, um, I mean, why? trouble the Buddhist path with compassion for other people. I mean, you could just sit there and follow your breath and get concentrated and, and you know, just forget about these people and having compassion for them. Right? I mean, it would be much more efficient. <laughs> so, 
Why not? What are you going to tell me if I say to you, you know, I don't think I need this compassion. You know, there's more important things to be done. It just gets in the way and makes life more complicated. And I just, I'm going to, I'm just going to get concentrated and go on retreat and leave people behind. And what are you going to tell me? Any advice? Try <laughs> India. Is it the mic up here? Where's the mic? Okay, this is not advice for you. Oh. <laughs> it's my res- just my response to it for myself is. Uh, you know, it gets kind of old focusing on the self so much. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, moving it out towards others, it's it it feels so opening. But I say, I'm going to get distracted heart. then from the really important work. I mean, liberation is so. What could be more important to be liberated? And this, you know, I, that's really so important. And I'm going to get distracted. I'll get caught up in people's stories, and I won't have time for my meditation. It is liberating to open the heart. That is the liberation. Really? <laughs> okay, let's see what someone else says. Somehow, somehow it didn't help. Let's <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let's see. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tough student. <laughs> Stubborn, obstinate. Let's see what you have. Well, maybe it's the same thing, but... Uh, so I'm just playing along. Yeah, please. That's the idea. I would say good luck, and um, <laughs> I'll see you in a couple of years. When, when you have no, I don't know, it just seems like the motivation isn't long. It's not going it, it, to it, sustain itself. Not, ah, interesting. So good luck, kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and probably you. that motivation is going to kind of play itself out, yeah, and you'll learn, old, yeah. you'll learn at some point. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your email. <laughs> Straight back. Well, I don't know about others, but for me, uh, my defilements uh, are so in my face sometimes, if I pay attention, and, uh, you know, greed, anger, hatred, lust, all that stuff, sometimes I can see it, uh, it's kind of disgusting, you know, (laughs) and uh, even when it's not right in my face, I know it's just lurking right below the surface, so I think compassion is uh, a direct antidote for that that if I feel those defilements uh, grabbing me, if I can uh, switch my mind over to compassion, mm-hmm. it's uh, like applying the opposite force against the, uh, the defilements. So it's medicine, it's an antidotal, antidotal, antidotal medicine that somehow balances it. Okay, well that sounds good. I kind of like this idea because then I start fixing myself nicely and move along the way, that's good. So what else, any more help though? So I saw Liz. I want to hear what Liz has to say. Did you, did you raise your hand? To your right. You did? Oh, it's already gone? <laughs> After what you just said, I don't know how this will land. But um, <laughs> it, when you see that messiness outside and you don't want to engage in it, that's a mirror of what's happening inside you right now. Hmm. I don't know if I like this. <laughs> I think I'll just forget, I'll, just, I'll just cut that out, shut that off. Can, you know, pretend I didn't hear it. <laughs> I've heard that works. Yeah, 
In my case, uh, being a parent, I already am involved with people who I care about, and I can't imagine just walking away because I want to pursue my path. I can't imagine wanting to stop caring mm -hmm. and helping and feeling for my children. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. And then the other thing I thought was when you asked us to imagine a place where we felt peace, yeah. the place I was was a place where I felt cared for by the people around me. Mm. And so I think I really value connection to people. And so I don't want to leave that behind. I don't want to choose a path that mm. leaves that behind. Oh, that's, that's nice. That kind of gets in there a little bit. So I think I need to kind of clamp down a little bit, because that's a little bit challenging. So let's see what somebody else has something to say. <laughs> I think I would probably start out asking you about your flavor of the month with your, your defilements. And I would ask you to tell me what your defilements are. Conceit. Con conceit. <laughs> conceit. Okay. So conceit is, for me, conceit means being self-centered, thinking that you're the best. Yes. Uh, thinking that you have the market cornered on I have suffering. this important thing to do. I'm, I'm going to get enlightened. Okay. So then what I would suggest you do is to go somewhere where there are lots of people suffering mm. much worse than you are. Um, so, you know, if you, and most people don't just have a suffering called conceit, they'll have um, something more going on to, to, I think, to get them here. So, yeah, but see, it's true conceit, it's right? It's, 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 the, it's the true nature of reality that I. Okay, so, but if you're feeling <laughs> it's not a, conceit, not a problem. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that conceit will bring you here, I guess is what I'm saying. So, what brought oh. you here? <laughs> what, to the, to the practice? Yes. That's what brought me here. I'm so confident in myself. I'm going to get enlightened. As long as, oh, I, don't get I, involved, as, long as I don't get involved in this other kind of stuff, that is distraction. Okay, so, then, so you, you're here to be enlightened. Is there something that's, that's missing from your life that makes you want to be enlightened? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're perfectly happy just as you are. What? You're perfectly happy just as you are. Well, I just want to have the best. I want to be the best. <laughs> I hear that being enlightened is like, you know, pretty good status. Okay. So I'm not sure how to respond to that, but norm normal people would... <laughs> normal people might say something about, um, you know, they're here because of fear or because of some aversion or because they're looking for something, mm -hmm. something more. And so then what I would say to them is, okay, then go and find other people who are in that same circumstance, but much, much worse, so that you can see mm. there's much more out there that, you know, that you're a small, a small being. So somehow seeing other people's situation being similar to yours or worse than yours right. evokes compassion, and that compassion does something. What, what is it? I mean, what it, how, how does this help? <laughs> what would compassion do? Compassion brings humility and understanding and connection. Humility? <laughs> and that could be good for the conceit. <laughs> that could be a good, a good antidote. I've heard that word before. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> well, um, I'm kind of new at all this, but See, I'm also totally selfish. And to me, 
What I noticed about being nice or kind, or maybe you'd call it compassion, is it really feels good. Mm. So that's why I would do it. It's pretty simple. It's got nothing to do with anyone else. It comes back to me, me, me. <laughs> if, um, if you're intent on um, sitting for yourself, I would have great compassion for you and allow you to do it until you got to the point where you'd realize that something about yourself isn't even real. Mm-hmm. And then you maybe find that you're actually part of something else. So you'd say, go for it, kid. I'm, I'm, root, I'm, root, I'm rooting for you. Yeah, maybe. And finally, someone's finally some... <laughs> okay, Gil, I'll bite. <laughs> so uh, I would say that if your main interest is to... Uh, um, have your own intention you know, to, to be liberated from suffering, that that's a clinging to your idea of being liberated from suffering. Ah. That that's, that's your own clinging. That's your own desire for your own gain of, I would say that that's a, that's a desire. And that's like a, a, the opposite of liberation. Ah. And that compassion you know, allows you to be free from that need for yourself to be ah. clinging. So, so it's possible that, you know, I've heard that people cling to the enlightenment and to practice. I've heard those ideas. Uh, but how would you, but, but you have to have some desire for enlightenment, right? You're not, we're not supposed to, like, not have any desire. So how do I know that I'm clinging? Um, As opposed to just having, you know, I have great passion for it. So what's, how do I know that I'm clinging? Who wants to answer that? For me, clinging is always in words. Um, it, it, even when you get to the very, there's, there's clinging after craving. I love dependent origination. And then there's clinging, which is the fire to the whole process, which is wrong view. That clinging is in words, but it's more on a level of fear. Mm. Um, And if you can identify the fear that's at that point, then then right view has a likelihood of finally arising. I see. Um, So, So fear. So I look inside, and I have a strong passion for enlightenment, and... I don't see any fear. I don't see a problem. So what is, what is this? Why, why this compassion thing? Okay, just wait. <laughs> Keep going. It's coming. You know what happened to Milarepa in the cave? The demons came. The demons came. So I'm saying that, uh, in my opinion, you have unresolved issues. <laughs> Hey, we're in this post-Freudian America. <laughs> okay. I have the mic. Oh, yes. This is Jim again. Uh, it seems to me if you want to prove that you're not clinging, try the opposite and see if you can live with it. Oh. Okay. I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job already. I don't, say, well, I don't see what the problem is. These people are thinking I'm clinging. <laughs> 
I, I would say if you have a great burning desire to become enlightened and escape the cycle of birth and death, that that's a good thing. And for example, I'd cite the Buddha. Uh, he was very, very driven and, uh, and desirous of, of final enlightenment. It even turned down when he got, went through those two teachers. And so he kept uh, working. And maybe there's such a thing as skillful clinging. But then, but then in the end, you probably have to let go of any clinging when you reach you know, some sort of final, uh, final enlightenment. But I think if you are really deeply desirous that you can't let that replace working the path, that you have to kind of set that aside and, and, and do the work, too. Yeah, so most of what you said is music to my ears, boy. I'm, so it's kind of reinforcing the idea that I don't need to do this compassion thing. <laughs> People, you know. <laughs> I think that you think you are enlightened. I want you to bring me your enlightenment. Show it to me. You have to walk your talk. <laughs> Where is your enlightenment? All this is just talk. I want to see it in action because basically... No, no, the issue, 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 I'm, I'm not enlightened yet. That's, what, that's the point, is to get enlightened. I can't bring it to you. I, I just think that this compassion thing gets in the way of what I'm trying to do. Basically, if you think you are chasing something that you call enlightenment, there is no such thing that you can really chase after because in the very basic yearning, is not just sitting there on your cushion. You have a life to lead. There is other people in the world that needs you. Mm. It's not sitting on the 110-foot pole and just sitting there dreaming of enlightenment. The world is right here. So there's an obligation to help these people? It's not an obligation. Oh. There's no should in any spirituality. There is that freedom that you, that basic nature of who you are is not to satisfy another person um, as another person because the other person is really yourself. You, mm. Enlightenment is really to include other people in. It's just not sitting there. Oh, you mean dreaming. compassion is like part of enlightenment? And what? Compassion <laughs> is to have that deep uh, feeling, that wish that somebody doesn't suffer. Enlightenment is actually to not let the other person suffer. And by not letting the other person suffer, uh, there, is a, there is a doing. There's not just, you know, it, there is a doing. There's that ING. It's not just love talking about love. It's loving. Mm. That is the thing. Great. Thank you. Thank you. 
So, so I think that uh, I'm time for me to stop being an obstinate student. And, and um, <clears throat> thank you for trying to help me. <laughs> the, um, so I think it's worth uh, thinking about this issue because uh, one way or the other, I think many people, you know, maybe not as dramatically as me, but the whole question of the relationship of practice, one's own practice, and the practice in the relationship to other people is an interesting issue that needs to be explored and understood, and the role of compassion. And one of the very simple, some, a lot of your answers were great, all of them were great. And, um, but one of the, and one of the simple things about compassion that I want to try to get across with the exercise we did before is there something about the very nature of compassionate mind that is a mind that's uh, not clinging, that is a mind which is a, a peaceful. And so to, to cultivate compassion, to cultivate loving kindness, to cultivate renunciation, these three right intentions, is, goes directly in, uh, towards uh, attaining the goal or attaining the experience of freedom or non-clinging. It's kind of like these experiences of renunciation, loving kindness, and compassion are expressions of a mind, a heart that doesn't cling. And the opposite, um, lust and ill will and hostility, are expressions of a mind that clings. So if enlightenment is not, is not this, you know, some glorious big bang thing, but rather it's just an experience of non-clinging, then what moves us towards not clinging is not clinging. And these particular states are very useful states that helps move us along the path to non-clinging. Yes? Just kind of a genuine question about the obstinate student, which is that I'm not sure I believe in merit, like some report card or not, but maybe merit was invented for the obstinate student. <laughs> so I say to you, just do a compassionate thing so that you'll get merit. And because you believe that you should do that, because I'm telling you, you'll do it. And then you'll have the direct experiences she said that it actually feels good. Okay. Yes? I just came on to ask you how it was working. Rather than offer advice, get feedback from you how it was working. Yeah, that was his bring, idea, too, was yeah. just let, let, it, let it try to work and come back in two years. Well, maybe not <laughs> two years, but just have you talk about kind of what you want. Yeah, right? it's, a good, it's, a good, it's a good question. It's a very good question. Boy, this really got... I've never seen people at IMC so eager to... I, sh I should be a difficult student more often. <laughs> yes, please, Julie. Can, can you please use the mic? I just wanted um, to ask a clarification on something you had said just like a half a second ago. Um, when you said that ill will um, and all those other things, it's an... It's, is it the arising of that, the existence of that thought itself, evidence of a mind that clings? Like in that moment, is that cling? Is it the, just that? The, just the evidence, you know, the existence of it. So the very existence of ill will, hostility. Is it the existence of it, or our our reaction to it, that's evidence of the mind that clings? So, you know, I actually don't, it's a good question. I don't know if I can answer it in, a, in all the circumstances in which ill will, hostility arise. 
I don't know, you know, I'm not omnipotently aware of what goes on, but I just know that in my own mind, that if I have hostility or ill will, I'm clinging to something. That's what I've seen. So, so right behind you, please. I have a question. Um, uh, how would you answer that, that? How would you have answered yourself? Uh, uh, I think I did when, yeah. I, when, I, when I got out of being a student mode. The thing about clinging, you know, that. Uh, Isn't that the, the great split between the Theravada and Mahayana, the criticism of Theravada that it's selfish and it's all about enlightenment for the self, where the Mahayana. This says no, it's more than that. You have to become a bodhisattva and, and seek to uh, save the whole world before you reach your own enlightenment. There is that critique that does exist for the Theravada. Where the, where the, we had someone come here once many years ago. Kind of like some, he just recently graduated from college, was a college student, and he said that he took a class survey of Buddhism, introduction to Buddhism. And, uh, and he was and there. They, the professor had said that the Theravada Buddhists—they're—they're—they're selfish. And uh, so he wanted to come to IMC because he wanted to see who these selfish people were. <laughs> <laughs> so that that uh, that critique does exist. It's out there a little bit, and uh, and I hope it's not true. Yes, so, so David. This reminds me. There was a teacher that came to Tassajara, Muman Roshi. He was a friend of Suzuki oh, Roshi's. Oh, yeah, I met him on your mushroom. And uh, I asked him the same question. I asked him, why do we ever get up from sitting? Why don't we just sit all the time? And he just started laughing. <laughs> he just laughed and laughed and laughed. And he said, well, you know, you should just you should have an operation and cut off the nerves in your hips so the sitting won't hurt so much. <laughs> I'm finally beginning to understand what he meant. So, <clears throat> if you just uh, dedicate yourself to enlightenment or bus and just sit and ignore people, it's almost like cutting off certain parts of our nervous system or our inner life, maybe. I also just think he thought it was an absurd idea, and he was telling me, like other people are telling you, just go ahead and do it and see what happens. Thank you, David. Yes. that is there such a thing that clinging to compassion itself? Yes. <clears throat> it's possible to cling to compassion, and then the, compassion, the compassion gets messy and complicated. And you know, there's a variety of things we cling to, and we cling to compassion, cling, cling to the idea of compassion, to the, to the obligation of compassion, to myself as being a compassionate person. Um, <clears throat> to the feelings that come with compassion. Sometimes it can be good feelings that come, the praise that comes with compassion, being compassionate. So there's a variety of things we can cling to. And, all, and I believe all of it kind of uh, uh, messes it up a little bit. So when we talk about compassion, means like this feeling, the, the compassion comes after we do something um, for someone else 
and then we get this feeling. I think it could what be. Is it, could, it could. It could be afterwards. It, the feeling could be during. Could be before we do something. I think compassion is the is uh, the pr primary definition of compassion in this tradition. It's the. the I'll give you the kind of the <clears throat> the. the the, the definition of our the Theravada Buddhism, that uh, compassion is the trembling of the heart that good people feel when uh, they're in the presence of someone suffering. So is and, and, it, and, and it manifests itself as the wish to, to uh, alleviate that suffering. And is there any clear picture of um, clinging in our mind like because sometimes I have difficulty recognizing clinging mm -hmm. and there are several clinging yes like to in one like one phenomena and I, I see a lot of clinging from all few aspects of it or so I, I, I think I have difficulty just um, getting the right <laughs> uh, idea of what the clinging is. It seems like maybe you understand. But one of the things that I found very helpful in understanding and being present for clinging is to, uh, for me, because it's kind of somatic, is to feel what it feels like in my body, the physical manifestation and qualities of clinging. And that often gives me an indication of where to focus on, you know, what needs attention, because I, I can, you know, and, and the more I cling, the more it usually shows itself in the body in some way or other. So that you might see, next time you notice you're clinging, see if you can look around and see if there's any expression of it or any activation in the body connected to it. Thank you. So I'm beginning to think that we should probably take a break. I, I, and um, I'm in my great compassion for you and your, your bladders. And, um, and then uh, we'll come back for the last half an hour at 3 o'clock. But if you want to ask me a question, you can come up now. I'll stay up here. <laughs>